Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. And I'm X O'Connor, and this week we're bringing to you the second installment of our production series. I've been loving this production series. I know. It's fun to kind of do a little something different. Our first series, the marketing series, went really good, and we figured this month we have a few special things in store, so we figured why not? Those things are all production-based. Let's focus a little bit on production. Yeah, and don't tune out if you're not a music producer. This stuff, if you're an artist, is really, really important because you're going to be either producing your own stuff or interacting with a music producer. Yep. So Same for songwriters. Songwriters. Yeah, I mean, everything that we're going to talk about, this particular episode is tools that you can use. We're, we're going to go through about four tools that we use all the time. Some of you might already know about and maybe we use them in a different way, but they are all things that regardless of what you're doing in music, they're all tools that will help you excel at what you're doing. They're all tools that will help you take what you're doing up a notch. Yeah, so this is an awesome one. And we've got two more parts coming up after this. Yep, very excited about those parts. Very excited. So stick around to the end of the month. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a good rating and review on iTunes. Yep. So many of you have already done that. We appreciate that. And that helps really more than you probably realize. Yeah, it's great to hear from everyone out there. And we want to deliver content that you guys want to hear too. So if you let us know what you're looking for, we're always looking to make this show the best we can. So we love hearing from you all. Yeah, shoot us an email at support at fullcirclemusic.com. Yep. And also, like we said earlier too, got a lot of stuff happening this month around Full Circle Music, especially with this production series and a lot of other production-based things outside of this podcast. So if you guys want to keep up with everything that we've got going on, follow us over on Instagram using at official FC music. There's tons happening and we're posting all the time. So keep up with us over there. Let's just jump right into it. All right. So yeah, since this is our second music production series podcast. Yes. Number two. Number two. Cranking away. We're going to be talking about, uh, I think this is actually a really cool episode because we wanted to get a little technical today for the artists and songwriters and music producers out there who are wanting to maybe hear some more of our tips and tricks on the technical side. So we're going to do four must-have tools that music producers are using and how we use them. Yeah, there's so many basic things. Like some of these are going to be tools you don't even have to buy. They're just already in the software that you're using. But there's just subtle things you can do with them that just makes your life A, easier, and B, lets you accomplish things that you might not have been able to do just trying to get something perfect one time through or just sacrificing performance for pitch or vice versa. You know, it's just... Basic things, but basic things that separate entry-level music productions from productions you're hearing on the radio. Yeah, and you know what is really cool about all these tools is there's a million different ways to use them. I've seen people use things like Melodyne for things that Melodyne isn't supposed to be, quote-unquote, used for, exactly. Or things that it wasn't designed for. So we're going to get into a little bit of that, but... Honestly, there's just so many tools out there that people probably just aren't even aware of that are just basic things. Like you said, these are things that people don't even necessarily have to buy, but they're things that we use every day in our music production process and couldn't live without. So, Absolutely. Yeah, just jumping right into it. The first thing, you want to talk about playlists? Yeah, playlists. Because now with the new version of Logic, Logic has a form of playlists and all playlists are 
are a way to store different takes of audio on one track. So they're all nice and organized. You can listen to any of them. And the, the power in playlists is comping. And I know a lot of people comp or think they comp, but all comping is is taking the best pieces of any performance, whether it's vocals or drums or bass or guitar solos and piecing them together. And what makes this a powerful tool is it keeps you from having to sacrifice parts of performances, whether it's because, oh, it's a guitar solo and it's just really hard to play in certain pieces and the guy's killing certain sections each in different places instead of him having to focus on trying to get this ultimate performance and like stressing about it the whole time, you can just be like, man, go for it. Just play, 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 play. If you're going to make a mistake, make it huge, but just play and they can just rip and shred and you can be keeping each sequential pass. And then in the end, you just go back through and you listen and you pull the best little bits. And that's how we get vocal performances or drums are a huge one. A lot of times we'll have drummers play a couple takes that they're just really safe, really straightforward, just kind of like with the same idea that we've kind of had in mind. Seth and I will be feeding them like ideas that we've had and we kind of get these cool, solid performances. And then we're like, all right, here's a pass to just go absolutely wild on. And a lot of times stuff from that go wild pass ends up in the master just because the guy's not thinking about anything. He's just in there just going for it. And we're able to just take some of those parts from the really structured passes that we had and splice in these really energetic, just spur of the moment, like utter just flow of thought into it. And it just creates this absolutely cool performance. Yeah. And sometimes I find, especially on vocals, because when I started out, I was doing everything in Logic. This was before Logic even had the playlist Mm -hmm. feature. And then when we started working together, I saw how you were cutting vocals in Pro Tools And the thing that I had never done before, which I thought was really cool, and and I've since adapted after watching you, is to leave the playlist view open in Pro Tools all the time so you can see them all. And then you literally just control-click, drag it down, start another one. So you've got them all right there. And the one thing that I find over and over again is there's a lot of times that you'll do, you know, seven or eight vocal takes and something happened in the first one when the singer was like literally just getting their levels. Yeah, they're just going down for the first time. Yeah, singing maybe the whole thing from start to finish. I find so often that that one, even before we've got like the gain and the EQ and everything dialed in perfectly, I find that there's often magic in that. And sometimes it just needs supplemented by those additional takes. But playlist is such a quick way to do that. And I can't imagine going back and doing it the old way. I think a lot of our listeners out there may be used to doing it the way that I used to do it, which was just in logic, creating like a track. Then once you're done with that one, muting it, doing another one, creating another one. And eventually you've got like a thousand tracks yep. to well, keep track of. I remember in Pro Tools before playlists existed, that's how we were doing it too. If we were doing drums we had duplicates of every drum track. I mean, we so had like sessions that just had tracks. like, yeah, exactly. It had a hundred tracks of drums in there. They're all muted and you're just sitting there deleting out the parts you don't like. And playlist just keeps it so clean, so easy. If you've got plugins on that track, every playlist is playing through those plugins. So with vocals, it's great. You got like a little auto tune on there and you got, you know, some compression and some EQ and some verb. And it already sounds like it's on the radio as you're just listening through and you're pulling out the little pieces of each performance. The great part about comping with auto-tune on is that 
while you're just listening in auto mode, you can hear what the tuner is doing to certain words. And it's just that much easier to make a decision based on, okay, the tuner catches really hard on that word. I got to look for a different word right there. Exactly. It just simplifies everything. Instead of kind of second guessing, you're hearing what a tool is already doing to it and going, okay, if it's already working that hard there, I need to be looking elsewhere. Yeah. And I know a lot of our listeners out there in full circle music land (laughs) are probably thinking, well, why don't you just hire a great drummer or why don't you just work on getting a great performance? And I used to think that this was the case. And there's this whole pride around, well, don't edit my stuff too much. Don't comp it too much. To be honest, the most pro, like top of the line, world-class people that we've ever worked with who have been on millions and millions of records worldwide, they actually understand how to use playlists as a part of their workflow. Absolutely. Like these are guys, they're the best at their craft, but they don't have pride about, hey, take the drum fill from the end of the second chorus from from the previous playlist. They know that and they're thinking about that stuff all the time. That happened to us just the other day. We were cutting drums for, can I say what it is? Sure. Yeah. We were cutting drums for this new Elevation single we're working on. And literally had a drummer in, crazy awesome drummer. And towards the end of the song, we had a killer performance, punched a couple of fills. He's in the room listening back and he's like, dude, you know, honestly, two playlists ago, I think it's a stronger, that groove section right there before the last chorus, I think it's stronger from that two playlists ago. Can you just bump that in? Literally just copy, paste, done. But that's the level these guys are thinking on because at a certain point, when you're performing something, it's not better or worse. Right. It's just different. And, and you it's know, finding the differences that make it cool. These guys know when they hit a moment that they're like, okay, I'm not going to do it that way again. Yeah. Like that had something special to it. So using playlists as a creative part, not to cop out or not to cheat. Yep. I think a lot of people maybe think of editing as cheating a little bit. And there are some times that we you know, newer people to the studio. It's an acquired skill. It's not something you just get great at overnight. So working with, you know, newer bands who don't always have the skill set needed, there are times that you need to use it as a way to literally just piece things together. Maybe even talk about one of our guitar tricks. This was another thing that I learned from working with you and that we've adapted just the kind of note to note. Oh, yeah. Technique. So another thing that we like to do is with guitars, there's nothing more distracting, especially acoustic guitars or like really big guitars just playing diamonds or whole notes, however you guys want to call them, is when you go to switch chords and you get that like, it just stops, you know, or you get that really kind of thing. Like like the the, finger noises. Yeah, the finger noises and the fret noises and all that stuff. So something we do a lot, which is, extremely powerful. And it's how you get the giant chord sounds that you hear on a lot of bigger productions is punching every other chord. Or if your guitar is not staying in tune, punching every chord. Like if your guitar is not in tune, tuning is such a huge piece. Even if your bass isn't in tune, it's such a huge piece of things. Just get that one chord in tune and then just play only that chord through. So what we normally do is if we have, if we're playing just one chord or every other chord, we literally just go through playing the first chord and then the third chord and then we'll go back in and then we'll fill in the holes so if you're playing four chords in a progression over four bars we'll get the first bar and the third bar and then we'll go back and then we'll punch in the second bar and the fourth bar so you're not having to change those chords every single bar you're getting 
big, solid chords with no break in them, no fret noise, no buzz, no anything. Or if your guitar is out of tune, you're getting perfectly tuned Gs or E minors or one that are always out or D chords. For some reason, the fingers just pull a D chord out of tune. You just tune right to that chord and then you just punch it in every time. And that's just, that's how you get consistency and that's how you just get a really solid feel. Yeah, and sometimes you even want to do it that way as a vibe like you want it to almost sound mechanical like there's a lot of pop stuff out there especially nowadays that you want it to just almost feel like the guitar was programmed but like a human played it so it's a kind of cool way to mash that up and playlists are a great efficient way to accomplish that mission sometimes we're working on two different things if i'm in the room by myself and i'm playing guitar and you know sometimes the weather's wacky guitars are going out of tune Playlist, this is exactly how I do it. I literally tune up a chord. I'm just fretting that chord. And I just play every time that chord happens. And then I drag it onto a new playlist. And then I find the second chord in that progression. And I literally tune it, fret it, play it every time it happens. And then for however many chords in the progression. And then I literally just go through the playlist, pop them all onto one. And then that's the guitar Well, part. and you I hit on a it. really good point that a lot of the times we're not trying to compensate for just being lazy. We're, yep. There's things in the production process that are out of our control. And yep. our job as music producers is really just, we're kind of problem solvers. Like all we're doing is trying to eliminate distractions from what the song is trying to say. Absolutely. And some days that may be, like you said, the humidity is higher. So for whatever reason, your bass cannot stay in tune on the yep. 12th fret. Yep. There may be something wonky with your air conditioning system yep. that goes out and your guitar is having trouble staying tuned. So these aren't tools to use for the sake of laziness. They're just tools to eliminate distraction in the production process. And a lot of people listen and are probably thinking, wow, that is so much work. But that is the reality. Yeah, it's work because what you get out of it, though, is that much better. We could sit there and play out of tune chords that have fret noise and all this jazz in them. But at the end of the day, when we take the time to do it to where it's like, where you're not settling, where it's like perfection is the goal and that's what you're striving for minus whatever the cost is, you can hear it in the end. And a lot of times that's what's making the difference. You know, it's these minute little things. And then once you learn how to achieve that perfection and only then can you start peeling it back and making some of those creative decisions like, okay, well, what if we make this track feel a little looser? Or we want it to feel like it's got some imperfections to it. Absolutely. But you've got to know the rules before you can break them. Absolutely. And with like the whole drag beat thing being a really big thing nowadays, it's not like the drums being behind the the drums being behind or like, you know, it's still super edited. Like someone's editing that on purpose and everything's in time to it still. So it's like, it's not like it's just this ultimate feel thing. It probably started that way, but it's still all very precise because... You listen to like a lot of those pop productions where that's become a really big trend. And it's not just a mess of things hitting on these beats. It's all very precise still, but it just has a cool other feel. And if there are flams here and there, it's because people made an intentional decision that it felt good. So number one playlist, let's move on to number two. And this is one that's really only existed in the last three, four years, probably. Yep. Yep. 
we use this religiously. It's been life-changing for us and a lot of other music producers that we know, but we also know so many who are not taking advantage of this. And I still don't understand why. I don't understand why either. So it saves thousands of thousands of dollars, saves tons of time, and really ultimately just gives you an inspiring sonic quality to whatever you're recording going straight in, which is huge for performances. So that is the Universal Audio console through the Apollo. So we use this every day. Every single day on everything. Yeah. What we're meaning is, so Universal Audio has some of the best sounding plugins out there from any manufacturer that we've ever worked with. We use a lot of different plugins. We use Waves. We use FabFilter. We use... Stephen Slate, we use... And love all of that. Yeah, all of it. And what we love about UAD is when you're trying to literally copy the the original thing, we haven't found anything that does it as well as these UAD plugins. Their models of vintage gear are extremely good. And the great thing about them too is they're never settling for anything, constantly updating. And as annoying as it might be to constantly update your software... It's always improvements, whether it's the user interface improvements or them just delivering new plugins or new models or upgrading existing plugins. And we're talking like a Paltech EQ. Yep. Like we've been in studios a lot that have the real thing. Yeah. And then we're A, B, and side by side. And there are times that we've used the plugin yep. over the real thing. Just oh, absolutely. Because not because it's easier, but because it sounds just as good and it's easier and you can replicate it across a bunch of tracks. For whatever the Pultec bundle is, maybe 300 bucks, the only limitation to how many you can use is your hardware. Like the amount, the kind of Apollo hardware that you have. So for as much DSP as you have, you can open as many as that DSP will allow. And that's like 300 bucks. Like a full-on, you know, just a single Pultec EQ, I want to say is like, 8, 10, 12K plus whatever you're going to need to repair it and or maintain it because, you know, they're old pieces of gear. Now, let's talk about the business of being a music producer. Yeah. Would you advise a up-and-coming aspiring music producer to spend $10,000 on one piece of hardware EQ? Never. I That made me nervous even right now just hearing you <laughs> say that. No, absolutely not. The name of the game... I think for any producer at any level, but especially when you're entering, is versatility. Being able to do so many things with as few things as humanly possible. I know when I started out, I'm sure you can probably say the same thing. It was like, if I needed a compressor, what's one compressor I can use on drums, bass, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, if I needed to vocal, like it's going to need to do everything if I'm going to need to spend money on it. And that's kind of where I looked. And that's the beauty of a lot of these plugins is that you can get bundles of them and they come with compressors, EQs, channel strips for extremely small amounts of money, like a couple hundred bucks. And they're versatile on everything. And you can use more than one of them. You know, you're spending 10 grand for one thing and for 300 bucks, you can be using 15 of that same thing operating on a sonic quality that is very comparable, like right up with it. Yeah, you can go on their website. I mean, you can see ABs and these are pro guys who know audio better than 99.9% of the world. And the beauty is not only can you mix with them, but you can record through them. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think... And that's our hack for this part. And I definitely think that's something we've had a lot of friends that are, you know, a little afraid to commit to or whatever, but... I've always been of the mind, and I think, Seth, you're kind of the same way, is that if it sounds great, it's sounding great. 
let's keep it and print it, you know? And that's the beauty of the console. You can just listen with it back and just, you know, hear it without committing it to the recording, but we record it all. And yeah, that's so the there's, beauty. There's two it. modes. There's a monitoring mode and there's a record mode, which yep. means everything you're hearing is being printed. Yep. Everything you're hearing is being recorded. And that's the beauty. I mean, on our vocal channel, we have a really cool vocal channel that we use. Lots of cool gear on it on the analog side of things. But then it's, as soon as it gets in the console, all five insert slots on that thing are being used. And it's, you know, it's a, we've got some Pultec EQ on there. We've got an LA-2A on there. We've got a Manly Massive Passive. The console side of the chain alone, if you were to own the analog gear, is probably like $45,000. Yeah. But yeah. it represents, you know, a couple hundred bucks worth of plugins, and it sounds absolutely incredible. And in all honesty, I remember when we started doing this, it was Jeremy Camp's last yeah. record. Yeah. No, not the new one, the, the one before. And he was just like, man, I just need a little more umph on this vocal. What can we do? And it was like, we kind of looked at each other and was like, let's try this. We've heard it can right. do it. Right. So we popped on an 1176 on that thing. And he's like, holy cow, I love that. And yeah. it was like, from then on, floodgates were opened. Yeah. It's like, we're doing this. And from there, it's just evolved. It's just been like, okay, you know, just dial in well, what, I think what so it sounds many, great. So many producers are afraid to do things like that because they feel like, oh, it's not by the textbook or whatever, you know, you're not supposed yeah. to print through that stuff. But in reality, people have been using distressors for years, which yeah. is essentially the same thing as a digital compressor. Mm -hmm. So really the beauty of... 2017, we're recording this right now. You may be listening to this next year or the year after. There are no rules. No rules. Whatever feels good for the artist is ultimately where you want to be. So yeah. um, I think that's a great example. We actually had another example where we had rented a vintage, I think it was like a 70s Neve 1073 preamp, mm -hmm. a vintage 1176, and maybe a distressor yep. as well. And we were recording a Newsboys record with Michael Tate, who's a world-class singer. And we had this chain set up as an amazing mic, old Telefunken mic. And some just wasn't feeling right. So we tried essentially mimicking the exact same signal chain, the Neve, the 1176. We may have used a different compressor, Dell A2A or something, but as soon as we popped that on the console, he's like, this is like the best vocal sound I've ever had in my headphones. Yeah. And that's what we find that singers come back to us time and time again saying, man, I don't know what you guys are doing, but it sounds better than any other studio I've ever been to. Yeah. And I think what it is, is we're just not afraid to use these tools on the front end yeah. and make quick, you make know, executive decisions. Make decisions. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's kind of another thing that I know we're always just, you're wanting to inspire your artist at all times. And with both the examples that we kind of just shared, that's what it's ultimately about. If they're hearing something incredible in their ears, they're inspired like subconsciously even to just perform. It's just like that extra bit of energy, like, oh, I feel great. Let's do this thing. You know, and yeah. you just get that hype and it just, it always comes out in the track. Even if it's a sad song, if they're feeling that emotion in their ear, like, man, this is just right. Like this moment is just right. It just comes out. Yeah, that's right. So playlists, second thing is those UAD console plugins. Third tool that we use religiously are vocal editing tools. Yeah. I, I wanted to kind of put a box of these because we have a, a sort of a vocal editing toolbox. There's not one that we use, but we use all of them together. And they yep. are Revoice, Autotune, Melodyne, Flex Pitch, and occasionally... Elastic Audio Elastic and Pro Tools. Audio, yeah. 
So Revoice has been life-changing. For those of you guys out there who don't use that, X, maybe you can break down what is Revoice? What does it do? Okay, so Revoice is, it's a game changer. For anyone that's used Vocaline, Revoice is Vocaline on steroids. If you've never used Vocaline, what they are, they're just alignment software. So you literally tell it, make B just like A. So I've got my lead vocal and I've got my double. So I tell it, hey, this is my lead vocal. This is my double. I need you to time align my double to match my lead vocal. And it will do it. And it does it well with minimal artifacts. Now, here's where it gets even crazier. Now, Seth and I have played with Revoice for a long time, probably like three or four years now. Since it came out, we've been all over this thing. And it's always worked really amazingly on the time alignment side. Now, it also has the ability to generate doubles, which works out fine. If you're just using them in a mix, it's fine. But it also has a tuning side of it, one of which I have never trusted until recently. But we've been doing some really active rock stuff lately. And there's been a few voices that just have a lot of distortion in them. And if if you've ever edited a vocal, like if active rock is your thing, or if you've got a singer that has a lot of like gravel or grit in their voice, I'm sure you've ran into it where when you're trying to tune in auto-tune or in Melodyne, it's freaking out because there's all these different harmonics in the signal creating all of those different notes that you're hearing. So this is where the other day, I couldn't get auto-tune to work on this guy's voice. It was a double of this track. I couldn't get it to work. I couldn't get Melodyne to do it either. There was harmonics and artifacts all over. It just sounded distorted and horrible. I just crossed my fingers, threw it in revoice, and said, hey, tune this double as well. Make it just like this other one. And it worked stunningly. Like, I actually almost passed out. I was in (laughs) shock because it used to not be great at all. You used to do it, and then you had to tune it again anyway. But this was remarkably good. That was that time that I found you laying on the floor. That was. You just saw feet hanging out the door. You're like, what's going on in there? (laughs) (laughs) The revoice is amazing. Check that out. Absolutely. Uh, You you touched on auto-tune. I think the way that a lot of people think of auto-tune is you just turn it on, and it just does the T-Pain thing. But... It does so much more than that. And really, you know, the way that we do production, we like stuff to sound fairly natural. You know, we're talking a lot about editing, but really the end goal is to have a performance that sounds extremely human, extremely natural, but we're just, again, eliminating distractions. Absolutely. So auto-tune is great in graphical mode. Yeah. We use that a lot. And, and the important thing there is to make sure that you're going in and being very detailed about how you draw the tuning so it doesn't feel overly robotic. Yeah. And that's what I love about it is that you can literally go in with a pencil tool and the graphic mode shows you a line that represents what the singer is actually singing. You can go in with this pencil tool and you can draw it and say, this is what I want them to actually sing. And then you can slow the speed down and it kind of morphs into a hybrid between the two. It gives you a ton of control. And I know Melodyne does very similar things, but for me, just the way my brain works, like just seeing this kind of display, it just makes more sense to me. And, you know, the other side of autotune is the auto mode. And like we kind of mentioned in the playlist part, it's a powerful tool for just figuring out what's working and what's not working. Especially if you have a singer that's, I don't know, in town from out of town, and this is the only time you have access to them, it's a great way to like just comp through a vocal real quick or just listen down. If you hear the tuner go crazy on a spot, it's like, oh, maybe I need to punch that real quick. Well, and talk about that because honestly, one of the things that I feel like 
separates our process a little bit and and not just us but you know any pro vocal producer mm-hmm. they're not afraid to create an atmosphere for the singer by you know pre-selecting effects channels and putting autotune on it and and things that'll make it feel closer to the finished oh, product so that when they're hearing it back after they've sung it yep. it's already running through some of that Oh yeah, it's processing. I think once you've worked in production for a while, and especially now with the technology at hand, you have to always be working. Like, and what I mean by that is when we're doing vocals, as the singer is singing, I'm preparing the track for them to hear it back. So she's singing or he's singing, and we've got plugins on another track. We've got auto-tune on there. If it's a singer we've already worked with before on other tracks on their record, maybe I've imported session data. And since I've already roughed in another song, we can just import that data, put the vocal channel, like put the vocal effects back on this new channel. And as soon as I hit play, I just drag that vocal onto the new track and it's playing through the auto-tune, the compression, the EQ, the multi-band stuff, all the verbs, all the delays. And they're hearing this, like, because the track's already pumping. And now they're hearing this vocal that sounds like, okay, this is on the record already. And you can just hear the excitement, you know, but it also puts it in perspective. It lets you hear it how you would be hearing it in the mix. And if you're hearing like all these little warbles, you know, hey, maybe you need to punch those spots real quick. Yeah, because that's honestly really important. And and the other vocal tuning software, this is the one that I kind of gravitate to myself. This is a beautiful thing. We're we're accomplishing the same thing. There's a lot of ways to do it, but... I tend to use Melodyne personally. It's just like you said. I mean, it's, there's a, a graphical interface that's entirely different than Autotune is, mm-hmm. but I've just gotten used to it. You have to do things completely different though with Melodyne. And I find that it's interesting because some singers, there are certain even words in a take that Autotune will pick up that Melodyne won't. Yeah, And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just find with voices that have like a lot of harmonics to them, you, you mentioned some rock singers, but even singers that just kind of have that, like, sounds like they've been smoking for 30 years, yep. kind of texture, just the smoky quality. There are times that one of them won't work, so you have to sort of learn how to go back and forth. But Melodyne is fantastic because I use it not only for pitch, but I use it for timing. Yeah, And that's one of the other ways that people use it for editing bass. You can actually use it for editing drums, which, I mean, we don't personally really do much of that. But I have not tried it, but I've done bass in it. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's pretty awesome because, again, we were just talking about tuning. Even if you do the one-at-a-time note thing, there are days that the tuning is just the yeah. devil. <laughs> yeah. And on and Melodyne does work extremely well on bass. Low frequency it information, does. it handles extremely well. Auto-tune does a fine job with it. But if the bass, like especially if it's a really detuned bass and the note's really low, Melodyne it handles it extremely well. Well, you well. think back to like guys like Prince, they were essentially doing this before Melodyne, but they were doing it with drums. They were making sure that those Lind drums at the kick yep. fundamental frequency lined up with the key of the song. Yep. And that the toms were tuned to the key of the song. Yep. And it's not anything that any casual listener would ever notice, but it's just removing distraction. It's one more thing that just sounds like perfection yep. in the track. So editing a bass to be on perfect pitch, just like the vocals, is very important. Absolutely. The other really crazy thing you can do with Melody, and we've done this occasionally, for cutting like a live upright piano that's got a lot of vibe, it's maybe a little out of tune, or harmonium, a bagpipe, anything that's slightly wonky in tuning, 
sometimes that's what you want. You want that character, but there are other times that it needs to be slightly closer to the yeah. center of pitch. It might have been too character. <laughs> too much character. <laughs> Even just, I mean, I, I love recording crappy, weird instruments that you find at a thrift store. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the times the tuning's real suspect. So Melodyne not only does monophonic audio, it can do polyphonic now. Piano so, blew my mind the first time I saw it done yeah. with Melodyne. It was like, oh, that's usable. Yeah. And now you don't want to make a habit of having to do it. You right. don't go into a studio and be like, hey, oh, add a tune piano, no worries. I'm just going to melody yeah, on Let's this whole get the thing. piano tuner to come over. <laughs> let's start on the front end. But if yeah. you come in and you're like, oh, that's too much. Like there's plenty of times, especially with bass or piano, especially low octave piano, because it's so low and it's out of tune, it actually makes other things sound out of tune instead of just it. Like there's been countless times we've had a bass that was just slightly wide but it doesn't sound out. It makes the guitars sound really out. And you just start, you know, first place you start, it's like, well, man, that guitar sounds really wonky now. So you start recutting all these guitars and no matter what you do, it doesn't fix it. And then it's finally like, oh, maybe it's this bass. And, you know, so the ability of Melodyne to do that polyphonic stuff, it saved us on a few pianos where, you know, throughout the day, you're doing a five song session or something. Or if, you know, if you're at home and you're just banging through as many piano parts as you can before, you know, you got to go to dinner or whatever, that much abuse on those strings in there is going to, you know, it can cause some slippage or if, you know, little things like humidity. Yeah, you changes. talked about strings. Strings is a big one. Melodyne works stunningly well yeah. on strings. We've cut, the way that we typically like to do live strings, and a lot of people might not know that we do that, but we actually like, as much as we have access to these amazing sample libraries and, and things in the software, I think both of us like the real thing. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's the thing that, is a hallmark of our full circle music productions is we like to record the real thing. We'll supplement with samples if needed, but with strings, we like to record at least, you know, a duo yep. playing together. So there's some natural tuning wideness, but, yeah. but there's this interaction. Just, yeah, yeah, there's interaction. And this allows us to just make sure that if there's a moment that was like, man, that was an amazing take, but just that top of the chorus, it, it made everything else feel out of tune. Melodyne polyphonic is phenomenal. And just to touch on these last couple, flex pitch and elastic audio, we probably use these maybe less than some of the other tools. Yeah. I think for me on our end of things, I like it more for the effectual nature of what it can do. Like, especially on songs where you're going for not even a vocoded kind of feel, but just like a really effectual harmony. The ability to just quickly select two regions, be like, hey, go up a fifth. And then just hear it play back. It's awesome. I mean, we've done a couple songs, especially recently, where we've just manufactured these like really digital, very straight harmonies to go along with the lead vocal and and did it in just mere, you know, minutes. It's, it's as simple as just, I just make a bunch of tracks and label them what interval they are. So I'll have a track that says three and one that says four, one that says five, one that says six. And then I'll just drag all these different vocal parts onto it. And then I'll just shift all of them to that interval. So I'll shift all of them to a third, all to a fourth, all to a fifth, all to a sixth. And then I'll just delete out the little sections of audio that I don't like. And it'll just, within minutes, I've just created this cool landscape of just really digital sounding harmonies. But in a lot of modern pop tracks, you throw some slappy verb on that thing and make it really crisp. And the next thing you know, it's just this cool texture in the background. And it's just, it, yeah. And you've done it in in seconds. You haven't had to like get a singer to kind of sing it and then just hard tune it and try to create this whole 
unorganic thing. You've just literally done it on your own in a few moments. Yeah, that's right. So, and then the last thing we wanted to talk about, which a lot of people are sort of afraid to use is we've talked about it in some of our videos and some of our seminars, but this idea of referencing as we go. To be inspired by someone else or to, to keep an eye on what other people are doing, it's just smart in this day and age, especially if radio is a goal or if, you know, if you just really love how something sounds and that's inspiring you, I don't think you should run away from it. I know we kind of definitely approach things that way. You need to kind of embrace some of it. We, I know we have a ton of artists come through and they tell us, hey, this, I'm really loving the sound of this and the sound of this, and this is kind of where I want my thing to live. And when we're working on a track, you kind of get this tunnel vision going of just, oh, this thing is really cool what I'm doing, but you've kind of lost perspective of where it sits in the rest of the world. And we found this awesome plugin. It's called Magic AB. It's by a company called Sample Magic. It's like $30, isn't Yeah, it's it? dirt cheap. And literally, you can just put it at the very end of your two-bus chain, so it's after any kind of effects you'd have. And you can literally load nine different songs into this plugin. And then it just has an A and a B button. And A is your mix. B is whatever audio file you have queued up, and you can loop sections within it. So I'll just like loop choruses, and then I'll just go to work on it. Or if I'm mixing a song, and it's like, we really loved parts of the rough mix about it. And we're just trying to dial it in. I'll load the rough in and I'll just loop that same section and kind of go back and forth between the two and just kind of start fixing the things that I don't think is jiving with what we were looking for. And then, but just going back and forth to make sure it's not impacting other things negatively. It's just a, a way to kind of keep your focus on the bigger picture rather than just getting sucked into just this one idea that's just kind of flowing out. Yeah, because after you've got your head in the weeds for too long, you need a reference. And it's always best to reference stuff that is at the top of the top. Yep. You want to be competing with the best that's out there. Absolutely. You don't want to be maybe referencing your friend who's a neighbor who has a home studio. Yeah. Now, now, reference the top. If you're producing pop music, go buy the top three things on iTunes and yep. load them in your Magic AB. Yep. That's the other beauty of this plugin is you can do multiple songs. So you yep. can just kind of, you're like, okay, I like things about the vocal on Adele, but I like the kick drum on like this hip hop track or whatever. Yep. So Magic AB, we use that religiously. And I think listeners out there, you should go do that. That's the best $30 investment you'll make. Absolutely. This, it, probably this whole year. Yeah, and it'll expand your abilities. And I know that kind of sounds like Maybe a little exaggerated, but it's not. I, I think every day we have different kinds of music come through the studio. And sometimes it's stuff we've never even worked on before. You know, it's it's a genre that we've never even stepped foot in before. And how do you go about starting there? And the answer is, is to listen to that genre of music. And when you're, you know, if you're working on, if you've never worked on country before, or you've never worked on like trance EDM music and you have an artist come up to you or you have a friend that you want to help make this record for or whatever. And they're like, hey, I want to do this. You don't want to just say, no, you can't do it. You can totally do it because music's music. You're making something fun. Yeah. And just listening to other music, that's how you kind of get into the zone. I mean, you know, at a certain point, a kick drum's a kick drum. It's just the flavor of it. And so how do you know if your kick drum fits? Listen to other stuff in the genre. And if it doesn't fit, you just kind of flip back and forth and just work it till it does, you know? Yeah, that's right. So these were four tools that we use all the time, every day. Hope it was super helpful for you. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Seth Mosley. And this is X O'Connor. You've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, The Why of the Music Biz. 
This has been a production of the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamone. Make sure you stick around. We've got two more, count them, two after this, parts on the music production series. Again, this applies to songwriters, artists, as well as music producers. So I learned a ton. Always I, do. I did too. Yeah, we're sitting here chatting and it's like anxious to get to work now. I've got a couple of things I got to yeah, play with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so follow us on Instagram at official FC music or any socials. Yeah, all at socials. official FC music. Yep. And anything else? I think that's it. Again, keep up with us, guys. We got a lot of other stuff going on this month, including a giveaway, I believe, that'll mm. be happening next week. There'll be details coming out on our socials as well about it. Official FC music. Follow us, okay? All right. That sounds like a plan. All right. We'll see you guys next week.